morning, everyone. How are you? Good. Ask me how I am. Yeah, you know. Uh, actually, I'm very glad to be here with you, and um, it's great to be uh, in Stoke Gifford again, uh, where I regularly come for my lunch these days. And um, so that's a really good start to a talk about fasting. Um, Jesus said, when you fast. In other words, his presupposition was to those who would follow him uh, in that sermon that Simon described as probably the most memorable sermon ever, although I did have an archdeacon once who quibbled with that. And um, he said the most memorable sermon he thought was one that he preached. <laughs> Not because he said anything very good, but because uh, his white surplus caught fire in the middle of it, they were. <laughs> uh, I imagine that would be memorable, actually. Anyway, uh, so where was I? So, yeah, what Jesus presupposed was that his followers, uh, throughout the ages of history, would be people who indulged in what some of you are probably thinking is weird stuff called fasting. Fasting is. The spiritual discipline of saying no to our bodies. Maybe no to food for a specific period. Maybe no to television. Maybe no to anything that would just bring a little discipline to those bodily appetites about which St. Paul spoke quite a lot about. That is a hugely challenging thing. I believe in our culture and I think it's a hugely challenging thing Uh, partly because we are the generations of ultimate consumers we are people who are always looking for what can we get out of something and for many of us that's our primary approach to our faith it's what can it do for me Whereas in fact, it's probably a far healthier question for followers of Christ to say, what can I do for God whilst I'm here on this planet and whilst I draw breath? Do you all remember the Beverly Hillbillies? It was a program about a bunch of hick people who lived out in the uh, Midwest of America and they had a, a small holding, it kept a few pigs on it and... Uh, we're really poor folks and one day uh, the old man was digging down the garden and suddenly black gold came through the crack in the ground and they discovered oil and overnight they went from being poverty stricken to being phenomenally wealthy so they tried to live the life of people who were phenomenally wealthy so they moved from their small holding And they went to live in this massive mansion in Beverly Hills. Well, there's a problem. If you're used to living in a tiny house, you're really not very clued up about how to live in a mansion. So these hick people were completely confused. What they thought was the dining room was the billiard room. And they were wondering why this table's got nets in all corners of it. (laughs) And that kind of thing. So in the end, what they did was, they basically lived in the kitchen. And I wonder if those of us who are walking with Christ in this church 
your faith feels more like you're living in the kitchen than occupying the blessing that God has for you. You know, I've always had the feeling in many churches that there are a lot of people who are kind of waiting it for, for it all to happen. Sitting there thinking, maybe one day God will do something in my life. Well, what you need to know is that there are two kinds of faith in the New Testament. One is the faith that saves. That is the faith that makes you become a Christian in the first place. That kind of faith requires no effort on your part, only to believe what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary for you. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place, condemned he stood Jesus. Alleluia. What a saviour. There's nothing you do to become a Christian. And a lot of people in Church of England churches are hugely confused about that. You're sitting there thinking, you know what, I'm not perfect, but I'm kind of hoping I've done enough so one day, you know, God will turn a blind eye to the bits of my life that are not perfect and let me into heaven. Can I politely suggest you're a very deluded person? Because becoming a Christian is not about what you do, it's about what God in Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross of Calvary. And we become Christians when we believe that. That's what the Bible calls saving faith, or what J.C. Ryle in his memorable book Holiness called the faith that justifies. But then J.C. Ryle goes on and says, but there's another kind of faith, and that's the faith that sanctifies, the faith that makes us holy people. The faith that is the kind of faith that means that we grow to be more like Christ in our lives. You see, the New Testament makes this assumption of you if you're a follower of Christ, that growth should be your normal condition. Right? And it would be great to think, wouldn't it, that if we plotted our growth on a map, we could all kind of draw a line like that. Unfortunately, I know what you like, because you're like me. My line's a bit, a few steps forward, one or two back, a few steps forward, one or two back. Progress is slow, right? Yeah. So what I'm here to talk to you about this morning is not weird stuff, right? And there are two things I just want to say by way of introduction to this, which if you haven't got this already, you really need to get it, right? The first thing is a point about life. Life, you need to know, is a fragile business. The difference between your life being okay and it being not okay is a very thin line. Why? Uh, My wife took a phone call yesterday and uh, we actually at Cribs Causeway. She was shopping. I was feeling like killing myself. And and, uh, anyway, I didn't, um, obviously. And uh, she took a phone call from her fitness trainer. It's a beautiful, I mean, really, I remember she came to my... um, one of my daughter's weddings. She's a really beautiful-looking middle-aged woman. And she phoned up to say she'd been given a week left to live. And she'd been having a few indigestion problems. And suddenly they've discovered she's got cancer of the pancreas and she's really sick. She, she's so ill that somebody had to hold the telephone to her ear. So she, this is a fit, I mean, sorry, not fit in the way blokes use that word. Fit woman, I mean physically fit woman see life's very fragile stuff can go wrong very quickly and that's why it's important that if you want to live life as you are intended to live life 
then you need to know that because what you need to do is to invest in some inner strength in your life which comes through faith in order that when the storms of life blow against you, you will find the strength in God to hang together. You know, listen, religion isn't an insurance policy. It doesn't mean, you know, to quote Harry Kushner's uh, memorable book title, at least the book wasn't that clever. He wrote a book, sold millions of copies. It's called... Uh, when bad things happen to good people. That's a great title. You know, that's a mystery, isn't it? We've crossed all of our minds. Why does stuff happen? Religion will not shield you necessarily from stuff going wrong in your life. But what it will do, what the Christian faith will do is it will give you a very firm foundation, a rock in your life, so that when the storm blows against you, you will be given strength to hang together. See, that's why King David, who, let's face it, had a pretty checkered existence, that's why he could say, the Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He went on to say, didn't he? Uh, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. You want the presence of God in your life? J.C. Ryle says, Mike Hill says, the Bible says, you've got to put some effort into this to fought like any relationship. You know, you've got to put effort into relationships, don't you? It's, my wife's always reminded me of that. <laughs> right? What's wrong with you, she'll say, you know? If you want to refer to our relationship with God, you've got to put some effort into it, right? So you need to understand that life's a fragile business. The second thing is, you need to understand that the spiritual life if we're going to make progress, unfortunately, it's going to require some sacrifice. All those disciples of old, you know, you read that stuff, you know, Jesus shows up, you know, says a few words, and, and then it says, immediately, you know, these fishermen left their nets and followed him. They left their nets behind him. He went up to Matthew, the tax collector. Matthew's sitting at his desk, you know, writing stuff. Jesus says, come on follow me and Matthew got I me mean, thank God Matthew took his pen at least he could write his gospel <laughs> see progress in the spiritual life means that you're going to have to leave some things behind in your life some behaviors some habits some weird obsessions you want to follow Jesus? You want to say yes to Jesus? You're going to have to start to learn to say no to some other stuff in your life. And my friend, that's why fasting is important. I mean, trust me, I wouldn't have chosen to come and talk to you about fasting. It's just his idea, frankly. I... <laughs> okay? But listen, this is, this is so important. You know, the more I, I think about this, the more I've done it in my life, the more I think it's really, really important thing. Because when we say no to our bodily appetites, God hears our yes to him. Right? Let me say that again. When we say no to our bodily appetites, God hears us say yes to him. And you want to make progress in the spiritual life, you can't say to God, no. And you can't say to God, yes, but. What you need to say to God is yes. You know, as a street preacher says, doesn't he? Uh, you know, God's not looking for our ability. He's looking for our availability. 
He's looking for a bunch of people who are prepared to stand in his presence, sit in his presence, kneel in his presence, lie prostrate in his presence, and say yes, wave the white flag. Because a surrendered heart is a heart that God will use. And a surrendered heart is a heart that God will bless. Somebody say amen. Amen. So what are we going to do? How are we going to build this inner strength? Because one of the things that, that you need to know is, talked about fragility, talked about sacrifice. You get the idea of saying no to your body. This will help you with both things. This will help your relationship with God so that inner strength, what St. Paul calls strength in the inner man, or in the inner person as we would more correctly say today, once you start to say no to your bodily appetites, God will bless that. It's a problem though, isn't it? We find that very, very difficult. See, the reason why living the Christian life is such a tough thing for us is, when you read this book, especially when you read the New Testament, and you read about you know how God wants to you know bless your life and you read what, what does that take you know it means I was converted at the age of 18 right you know I'm a young man I'm normal well you know relatively normal pumped full of testosterone looking for action looking for girls wherever right so I opened this book and started reading you know fornication's out you're not supposed to do that I'm like what what no fornication I thought that was what I was put on the planet for God says no wait till you find a wife right when you you know are at home and you're looking for a little comfort and stuff like that and there's a box of cookies in the uh, you know it takes a lot to say no doesn't it but when you start to say no to your bodily appetites, God hears you saying yes. And we need to understand that, my friends. See, Christian life is going to have to be built on something that actually, it's not exactly rare in our culture, but it is unusual for people to apply themselves to develop it, and it's called self-discipline. See, sportsmen, get it you go and got to train that takes self-discipline trust me musicians get it you're going to be a decent musician you've got to practice you know my wife made all my four girls and my son do the piano to grade eight i mean you would not believe what warfare went on in our home every morning you'll get on that piano you know really see in order to develop self-discipline we have got to deeply desire what it is we're heading for. You will never develop self-discipline in your spiritual life if it's not your primary desire to grow close to God. If you're one of these people who just wants to take from religion, like what can I get out of it? It's very unlikely to me that you will develop self-discipline in your life. You know what the street preacher said? That's the kind of person who gets on their knees and says, my name's Jimmy and I'll take what you can give me. See, there's a lot of people sitting in churches just looking what they can get out of it. Now, I'm going to tell you how to fast in a minute, right? Before I do that, 
I just need to make one very important point. See, when you read books about fasting, what you'll find is you will discover that it kind of tries to entice you into it by telling you stories of where people prayed and fasted and God did really remarkable stuff. Right, in Nicky Gumbel's book, which has formed the base of this, you know, there's endless stories of groups of people who decide, you know what, we're going to get serious about this. And God, Now, let me tell you, fasting is not you storing up credit so that God will have to debit your life with a miracle. Right? That's what St. Paul would have called a work of the law. That is, a work of the law is something where we do something and somehow are misguided enough into thinking that this lays a kind of claim upon God. Now, it is certainly true, and it is observably true, that where people get serious about God, they tend to see more blessing rather than less blessing. Let me ask you again. Do you live in the kitchen? Or do you live in the mansion of God's blessing? And how might you create the climatic conditions in your life and in your church in order that God might open the windows of heaven and pour out his blessing upon you? It's not the act of fasting that would do that, but it's the heart that is dedicated to God, that is saying yes to God. In the book of Joel, it says, Rend your heart and not your garments. See, a lot of people did fasting around the time of Jesus and before Jesus, but they wanted to let the world know they were fasting. So what they would do is they'd put ash on their face and they'd rip their clothes up and they'd go walking around. Jesus said, that's not great. All that's, all that's doing is trying to tell the world something the world doesn't need to know. No. God, uh, man looks at the outer appearance, God looks at the heart. And listen, let me give you a very simple word of advice. If your desire in life is not to grow closer to God and you claim to be a follower of Christ, here's my advice. Get ministered to sooner rather than later. If your view of your Christian faith is, you know, my name's Jimmy and I'll take what you can give me, you better meet the prayer team pretty darn quick. Because you're not going to make any progress. And unfortunately, this much I know from my own experiences, you know, you ever tried um, treading water in the swimming baths? I mean, it's okay for a bit. It's okay for a bit longer. But eventually, you're going to go below the surface, you know, between people's elastic plus and worse. We need to be growing because we ain't going to stand still. We're going to recede. Now, you have been given a challenge by Sai. And the challenge is, the members of this church of this coming weekend, right, could try this thing called fasting together. The more of you that do it, the better. But it needs to start out from your heart being right with God. That this is about you getting, showing God that you are serious about your relationship with him. This is not just, and this is where the scribes and Pharisees went wrong at the time of Jesus. This is not just about ticking a box, done that. You know, I didn't eat 
any chocolate for four hours, you know, God bless me. It's not kind of God-sponsored slimming. It's about showing God that you are serious. So listen, how are you going to do it? Well, uh, first thing I need to say is, right, if you have an eating disorder and, and you at the moment are thinking that, you know, this is an invite to starve yourself to death, here's my advice, don't do it. Because if you've got an eating disorder and, and you don't want to eat food anyway, that's not saying no to your body, that's saying yes to your body. Right? You've got a medical condition that makes it tricky for you not to eat then you could give up something else. You could give up television. You know, I mean, what would it cost some of you people to give up Downton Abbey? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my wife and I nearly divorced on that every Saturday evening. I, I wanted to watch Real Madrid and Barcelona. She's going, I've got to watch Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. Here's what, you know, that's the point. If it, you know, don't give up something that, that my mate Bozo, you know, this is years ago now, when I was a, a young fellow, we were young Christians, and our pastor rattled on about uh, fasting one day. So I said, and this was for Lent, right? So I said to him, Bozo, what are you giving up? He said, hockey. I'm like, but you don't play hockey. <laughs> he said, that's my point. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's saying no to something that's important to you. Something no, that is a bodily, right? It could even be, actually, could even be something that you know is sinful about you that you need to start saying no to. So, say, say no to something that's important to you. Second thing is, start small. I don't think that many of you are going to go rushing out of here declaring a 40-day fast, right? No. You've been challenged to do it overnight, Sunday through Monday. Why? Because this church has got some pretty big decisions to make, and what they want is spiritually sensitive advice from God. That is more likely to come from a corporate community of believers who are showing God that they are serious by saying no to their bodies. Right? So I think, uh, and, and you know, when you start this, you know, my advice is do take some liquids. Don't try and, you know, completely. I mean, some of you can make yourself ill by not taking liquid. I, don't, I mean, I don't get my daughters. They walk around with bottles of water all day long. I mean, what's all that about? Anyway, that's my problem, not yours. <laughs> uh, um, somebody say grumpy old man, right? But do take some liquid in. But I wonder, you know, who of you knows that if you were to say no to something important in your life, this would be a pretty big challenge for you. And it, it may be something that will open the windows of blessing on your church, but that's not the best reason to do it. The best reason to do it is that you want to show God that you are serious by saying no to something in your life that's important. 
See, I'll tell you one of these. I, I was nervous about, you know, coming out with this stuff in case I lured you into thinking this was just another, you know, we put something in, we get something out deal, you know, like a, a kind of spiritual, uh, you know, ch- uh, chocolate vending machine or something. But I tell you this, in 1949, the year I was born, 63 before you mind goes on. <laughs> right? There's a bunch of old folks, right? And, and I don't want any of the older people in this congregation ever to write off what they can do. Right? There's a bunch of old folks in some island somewhere off the coast of Scotland called the Hebrides. And they've been praying and fasting together for years. Nothing happened. Just praying and fasting. And one night, one of the old girls there, and I won't attempt to copy her accent, said, I feel the Lord is coming tonight. They prayed on, and 2 a.m. in the morning, suddenly, lights started to go on in the cottages and the crofts on these islands. And people were out in the street, repenting of their sins and turning to God. Now let me ask you something. Could you account for that? in any normal way. I mean, you can, you know, if you want to check this out, walk the streets of Stoke Gifford at 2 a.m. in the morning. You know, the only people you find lying in the street have got the wrong kind of spirit. Hmm? You want to be kitchen Christians or mansion Christians? Do you want to show God you're serious? Because in the end, you know, that's really what this is about. It's about getting the white flag out and saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, yes. And this could be a start of something amazing in this church, in this parish, in this region, in this diocese, in this city, in this country. And you might be about to take up the keys of the kingdom and get them stuffed in the lock and see what happens when you turn them. Let me ask you something. Is that clear to you? I mean, okay. So what I want to do is, I'm going to ask you to do one thing, right? Don't do this unless your heart wants to do it, right? And, and if you need to think of something else other than food to give up next weekend... <coughs> Think of something else, but still do this, right? All I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to stand up if you're going to have a go at this, right? That clear? Okay, if you're going to have a go at this, get up now, would you please? Good. I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to pray anything vindictive on the people who've not stood up. (laughs) I'm going to pray for those of you who had. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, you know how really difficult we find it to say no to our bodily appetites. But Lord, we want to just declare to you that we are serious in our relationship with you. And Father, if it's not food that we can give up, we pray, Lord, that... Uh, I guess deep down inside we know the things that we would find it tough to say no to. Lord, please, 
Just give us the faith that sanctifies. The faith that says we're serious. The faith that exercises self-discipline and unlocks the door to the kingdom. Come, Holy Spirit, I pray. Strengthen and empower your people that we may do your work in the way that you would do it and the world might be saved. And we pray this in Jesus' name and the people said together in a loud voice, Amen. Thanks, folks. You've been very gracious and mostly conscious and you can sit down now. Fantastic. Thank you, Michael.